welcome to Masters of Divinity. I'm your moderator, uh, JP. That's me. And I'm here with Father Chuck. Yo, yo, yo. Father in Chuck. My, in, my, in, my, in, my, in my tropical uh, Tommy Bahama shirt today. It's... You look particularly uh, ska band frontman today. <laughs> I'm going to have to burn this shirt now. <laughs> uh, why? Ska is awesome. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put something out there for our listeners about ska because I mentioned this to you the other day, and to me it was after after Goldfinger recorded uh, Superman, mm-hmm. uh, and then Mighty Mighty Boss Tones recorded um, the impression that I get. Mm-hmm. Why did Why did anyone think that? Why did anyone feel feel like they should make ska again? Because they're like. They're like the, the the perfect ska songs. Like there's like not there's nowhere else to go with that musical it's, genre it's, than those two songs. They're like perfect. Right. It's like the grudge bands that try to make it work after uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" came out. Right. Like why? Like, like even like, like even these bands, even like Goldfinger and Mighty Mighty Bisons. Why did you Why did you keep making music? Like you <laughs> you hit it done. Yeah. Real big fish. What's up? A oh, real big fish is kind of good. <laughs> but still, it's you know what I'm saying. Like I feel like those two songs are just such a like platonic ideal of ska music that as a genre that I, everything else is everything else is just sort of like drafts on that perfect ideal yeah what was that what was the song the real big fish did that was really popular um is the freak out or drop out get out hold on a second i'm looking at because this take is out right make out bake out <laughs> uh, uh Stakeout. I think it was. Um, hold on. Sellout. <laughs> Sellout. It's on you to look up. It's a good song. I like that one. Chocolate Stout. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's get on to our topic. Uh, Which I don't <laughs> know what our topic is. So Matt was supposed to be here. Um, and, uh, I, I did kind of have a topic. I, I'm still going to do it. I was going to try to kind of, I don't know, modify it, but I'm still just going to do it. Um, so I'm just going to say, um, how do I, how do I want to get into this? I'm trying to be as honest as I can, um, because, you know, I, I don't, I don't think, we should do like the whole like I've been thinking so much about emotional labor ever okay. since we kind of talked about it on this podcast. You know the idea of like how you had to kind of get into a, a mode where like you're a certain where you feel some sort of certain emotion to make I don't know to make it work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm but I'm just gonna I'm be real like this week has really sucked for me. Um. Just some things have been happening at home that have caused me to go through some weird transitional periods and uh, kind of made kind of made me really uncomfortable. And I've had to kind of like I've kind of had to like do some survival methods that I learned when I was like living in, in extended stay hotels, <laughs> so that I won't like go insane and snap at people and and be a bad person. And um, I've just been trying really hard to like indulge in very little things that make me happy and not like, I don't know. Well, this also kind of leads into something that I also want to cover, which is, um, you know, we talk a lot about pop culture on this podcast. And, you know, I have a background in filmmaking uh, and, you know, as I like to critique films and, you know, when you critique films, I think filmmakers and most film enthusiasts and most fans of like anything really will kind of like over intellectualize the things that they're into mm-hmm. and will kind of forget to sort of talk about like the emotional part, the part that actually like really speaks to them has nothing to do with like quality. Right. So I'm trying to tie these two things in where I'm like having a bummer week and also uh, approaching the things that make us happy without intellectualizing it and just like feeding off of like how it makes us feel. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, Chuck. Sure. 
what have you watched or listened to or read recently that you thought was really good? Or that you just really loved? I, you, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. You had mentioned me that you watched Flight of the Navigator Neverending Story with your boys. Yeah, a couple months Is ago, that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, we watched we we did watch Fly the Navigator with Charlie. Um, he and I watched it, and uh, and we um, um, we sorry, hold on. <laughs> is there a, is there a Max UFO outside your window right now? Yeah, that would actually be pretty awesome. No, it's uh, somebody walking by that hasn't been on the campus in months. I guess they're back in town. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting in there. There's a big window. Uh, behind the computer. So I'm like seeing like everything going on. You start spacing out and start like the Alan Sebastian Fly Navigator music starts playing. Oh, that music is so good. <laughs> um, but we watched it and partly I wanted to watch it with them because it's a good family movie, but also um, I wanted to be able to show Charlie where the ship is in Tomorrowland oh, okay. um, because they, they have it there. They hidden it, but it's there. Um, but that was a little while ago. I mean, stuff that I've watched recently that I think is really good um is um um well Kana and I are really we're really into um Brooklyn nine nine. Um I haven't watched I haven't I'm not caught up on it. I, I watched I think the first few episodes and then just kind of like forgot to not because it's like a bad show or anything. I just like sometimes I can't keep up with shows. Right. Um especially if they like came out weekly, which that one did at the time. Right, and there's uh, just and the thing is, is right now there is so much. I know, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's it's difficult, and there's there's other shows that I haven't even been able to watch. Like I still really want to watch like uh, Preacher, um, which I think is like three seasons in now. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to believe. Um, but yeah, uh, so so tell me about uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, why why do you like it so much? Um, I laugh harder at that show than I have probably any television program I've ever seen. Any um, television program, really? Yeah. I <laughs> I mean, I because I, I really, I mean, I'm a deep, I deeply love Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've, I'm trying to think of stuff I've laughed really hard at. And I really consistently, Brooklyn Nine-Nine may be the funniest show I've ever watched. Um, it's also, Oh no! I take it back. Kimmy Schmidt is probably the funniest show I've ever watched. We haven't watched the new, the new episodes yet, but Brooklyn Nine Nine is definitely up there. And the thing about Brooklyn Nine Nine, what I really do love about it is how it is how it it plays against expectations. Um, one of the things about it that I I like and I is that they deal with they deal with um, characters two characters falling in love main character two main characters that sort of fall in love mm -hmm. and so many sitcoms do this thing where it's like oh they get together but then they break them up because there's this sort of weird feeling that people in happy relationships do not make for good television or good yeah. storytelling but they've decided to go against the grain with that and explore like what storytelling what like you know what what is there within uh, a, 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 a happy and healthy relationship and 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 even into like a marriage and stuff like that, that I, you know, that, you know, the office pioneered that a little bit with, um, with Jim, um, Jim and Pam, Jim and Pam, but, um, to see it in a, in a sitcom is pretty good. Um, and also an interesting thing that they took it to be an office play sitcom, but it's a cop show, right? Because it's, it, but it's more about like the office side of police work. The detective stuff is fairly Fairly, I mean, it's a big part of it, obviously, but the the actual like on the field stuff is not as common a thing as it is just the the bullpen of of detectives in their office work, which is it's just a fascinating fascinating take. But the characters are great, the writing is great, it's very funny, it has a lot of heart, um, and um, yeah. Who's your favorite character? Who is my favorite character? I would say my favorite character is um, um, probably probably Raymond Holt, the 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 captain. Okay, he's really funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it makes me. Um, what's his the, the, the actor's name? Andre. Um, uh, I can't. I'm not sure to pro properly pronounce his last name, but it starts with the B. Anyway. Um, 
I, I, I love him so much that I would love for him to be like a Vulcan in Star Trek because he's basically a Vulcan on the show. Yeah, because he he's sort of like uh, just kind of like stone faced, right? Like doesn't right kind of emotion. Right, and what I and 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 I enjoy as an aside, I enjoy that on top of that he's gay, mm-hmm. and that's just sort of part of just. It, it's not like like not to criticize another show that I do find pretty good uh, when I've watched it, which is Modern Family. But there's this tendency in Modern Family to sort of put the the, the gayness like way front and center for the character of Cam. Um, on and, and which is something we've done a lot in television with with uh, gay relationships. It's kind of interesting that in Brooklyn Nine Nine, his 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 gay relationship, his 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 husband and everything is just very like it's boring. They have a boring relate. They have a boring marriage, and yeah. like it's just a a thing. Like it's not you know this you know the the they give you know acknowledge it by the fact that he has a rainbow flag on his desk. And that's and then you know you meet his husband and his husband plays a role in the show off and on, um, and they make you know references to the fact that he is a black gay commissioner and the and the struggles that he's had as a cop coming through New York in the seventies and eighties and nineties. But like other than like a couple of like background kind of things, it's not treated as like this is all this guy is. Right. It's normalizing it to make it right. sort of like a part of life that's not right. Weird yeah. or shoehorned. Right. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't emphasize its sort of otherness. It's just right. there. And it's just there. Interesting. I, I remember like really loving Terry Crews, but I love Terry Crews and everything. Yeah, Terry Crews is, is is fantastic and should be in more things. And my, I, I I try not to get too caught up in fan casting. Yeah. But if I were to fan cast any movie or any movie that I, I would I would have him as Lobo. <laughs> in a DC adaptation of Lobo, yeah. and I would make the Lobo movie kind of like a Smokey and the Bandit kind of story, where Lobo is you know quote, you know sort of the pro- protagonist is you know kind of antihero-ish, but that the the quote unquote villains of it would be the Green Lantern Corps as sort of the cops chasing him on his thing, and so like that's like the foil to him or the Green Lantern. That's how I would introduce the Green Lantern into the the Green Lantern Corps into the DC world. I wouldn't make necessarily a, D- a Green Lantern movie. I would have the D- the Green Lantern Corps. I, as like bumbling cops chasing after Lobo. That's who, the movie I would make. Who would you cast Terry Crews in a Marvel movie? Um, I would. I would have him play the Thing. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. I was for some reason my 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 initial reaction was Galactus. <laughs> you know you want to see it. <laughs> and and he has to act like how he acts in the Old Spice commercials. <laughs> exactly. Like he should be. Because Galactus is a ridiculous character. <laughs> or Mephisto. Oh, they already have a Mephisto. That's right. Because uh, what, what? Oh, no, no. Not, I, I'm thinking Mysterio, not Mephisto. Yeah, Mephisto. Um, I'm just trying to think of Terry Crews because he's such a. Um, he, he really, his, his strength is to be like big and enormous presence, but also very warm hearted. Right. Yes, very maybe funny. Not, maybe not Mephisto then. Um, and maybe not Galactus either. I mean, I would love to see like I'd love to see him play that, but yeah, it'd be kind of fun to watch him play evil. It would be because he he hasn't really. Yeah, my favorite. My, I will say my favorite role for him though is um, when he plays um, President Kamachi in Idiocracy. Yeah, I still haven't seen that movie. Really? Yeah. That's that's uh, you need to remedy that. I guess so. I mean, everyone keeps making the joke where I'm like, I'm kind of tired of the joke, to be honest. Well, that's the problem. I think that's the problem is that at this point, it has entered into a zeitgeist that, I mean, I watched it and I was, I mean, I will say I was kind of underwhelmed by the movie. It's one of those movies that I didn't necessarily enjoy it when I watched it. It's sort of as I've interacted with aspects of it later on that I realized how funny it is. But in the moment, I did not find it all that funny. Um. Um, except for Terry Crews's character, because it is such a ludicrous concept of the future. That I mean, his 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 middle name is Mountain Dew, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. Um, well, cool. No, I mean, that's Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's a show that I, I I need to I need to get on board with that. I, they they brought it. They canceled it recently, right? And then they brought it back on Hulu. No, uh, Fox dropped it in their big purge of their shows because mm-hmm. they dropped like Last Man on Earth and all these great comedies. Um, and then NBC opted to pick up Brooklyn Nine-Nine. 
Oh, okay. And I think for at least one more season, I don't know if they're going to do another season past this one, but, um, but they did pick it up. And so it's on, it's on NBC, but I, 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 I watch everything on Hulu. So I, so Kane and I have been, we, we stopped watching Brooklyn nine, nine for a period of time so that we could sort of save it up and, you know, binge a few episodes at a time so that we're never like caught up. And then we have to keep waiting for, all right. New things. It's so difficult not to binge. That's that's honestly the reason why we have not watched the new Kimmy Schmidt episodes yet. Yeah, we've we, we every time I suggest it, we're both like, oh gosh, I don't know, because we know that as soon as we start, we can't stop, and we'll be up to like two in the morning. And it's and it's they they do it on purpose. Oh, totally. Um, because like I've I've noticed like um like I I love Stranger Things, and uh, when the second season of Stranger Things came out, they they released it a few days before. It was like the weekend before Halloween. And I was like, if I watch all this right now, I'm not going to have anything to watch on Halloween. I want to watch this on Halloween. It was like, I'll just, I'll take it slowly. You know, I don't have to binge. Binging is such a dumb thing. Like just an episode a night and I'll still have like four episodes watching Halloween. It'll work out perfectly. (laughs) I watched all of them the first day. (laughs) No self-control. But on the other hand, I, I can't really get I, I can't do that with like Twin Peaks. Like I'm I'm still on season one of Twin Peaks. Yeah. And like, like I want to bench Twin Peaks, but I can't. Is that Twin Peaks like are you talking about the original, the original. or the revival? Okay. Yeah, because I've never seen it before. Oh gotcha. Um well and those older shows, I, I will say like those older shows make it like the pacing and everything is oh, so yeah. different. There's just so much to take in. And I feel I feel like you know we're in a we're in an era now where they're writing for binging, whereas back then they were writing in such a way that it was you know self-contained storylines. You're probably never going to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, and I uh, I uh, you know and I and I find that like an interesting thing for me is the other night I was feeling in sort of a Star Trek mood, and um, but I wasn't I wasn't sure I was feeling Next Generation because normally what I watch when I'm sort of in a Star Trek mood. But then I tried to like, I thought, oh, I watched some Deep Space Nine. But I started going through Deep Space Nine. I was like, oh, but I can't because it's such a serial focused show, especially in the later part of it, that it's hard for me to just sort of like pick up an episode and watch. Um, whereas, I was, so I went back to I went back to Next Generation because you can just pick up an episode at random and watch an episode of Next Generation. And it's a, you know, for the most part, a self-contained storyline. And it's, you know, it, ha- it relates to a few other things, but it's, it is its own thing. Like you get, you know, you get a full narrative arc. Yeah, there's no cliffhanger. There's no indicate. You know, there's nothing that's sort of like, oh, gotta gotta keep the storyline going. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing that, and I wonder this. I mean, this would be an interesting thing to think about and talk about at some point, maybe in its own episode or just to analyze. Is you know, there's a longevity to something like Star Trek: The Next Generation and the original Twin Peaks, and like that you don't get with a lot of these binging shows. I know because it's like one and done. So is it, is it, is it, is it a disposable? Is it part of our disposable culture? I don't know if it's disposable. I think it's like, it's like reading a book again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Which I mean, not not to say people don't do that, but like, if I read a book, I'm not going to read it like a billion times unless it's, unless it's Watchmen, which I've read a million times. Right. Um, But uh, I don't know. That's just kind of how I see it. Like I don't, I have not rewatched Lost in over a decade. It's crazy to think that show is over a decade old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I um, yeah, I, well, I mean, as I, I realize as I'm saying this, I come home pretty frequently, and like when the kids are napping, and if Kana's working, she'll have something on, and she's, I mean, Kana, Kana rewatches stuff all the time. I mean, she's rewatched Downton Abbey so many times. She's rewatched Gilmore Girls so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so. And including the new, the new, the most, the recent, like what last year, whatever run of Gilmore Girls, right? Um, but yeah, like like Ga- Game of Thrones. I've I've rewatched Game of Thrones, but like I can't think of like an episode that was my all time favorite. I mean, there actually is one episode that I, that I really love, but like there's not like like Buffy. I could I could just be like, oh, that episode. I know what happens in that one. That episode. I know what happens in that one. And I could just I could pick and choose and watch a handful that like perfectly coincide with each other mm-hmm. from different seasons. I can't do that like Game of Thrones. Right. Right. Yeah. And like, like going back to Next Generation, like Next Generation, you can sort of, as you go through the show, you can sort of think about like what, you know, what mood are you in? Are you, I'm like, sometimes like I'll be there and like, I really kind of, I'm kind of in like a, 
kind of in like a intellectual mood. Like which which episode is Next Generation is going to deal with like existential questions? Like I'll watch that one. Yeah. Or like I'm just in kind of like a goofy holodeck mode. Let's watch that episode. You know, um, you get that with 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 Next Generation and and some of those shows. You know that you don't really get with some of the newer stuff. Like again, like I, I haven't watched I haven't watched Discovery yet, and I really want to check out Discovery, but the fact that it's a serial show makes me a little concerned that it's not going to get, you don't get that kind of, that kind of storyline and narrative stuff that you saw, that you see with the original, right. with the original Star Trek shows, you know, because it's, 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 it's again, it's a binge, it's a bingey show, um, which is why I like the Orville just to kind of also bring in that show because it's more like next generation. It's each stand, you know, standalone episodes. It's not a serial show. Yeah. See that, that's another show that I, that I, um, I just, I can't keep up with because it comes on weekly. So I can't like, you know, I, I, I lose track because I'm a, I'm a bad viewer. Do you have Hulu? Um, I have I have Matt's Hulu. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but I, I, I don't, um, even if I did like my, my internet is so bad and like, yeah, I do have Matt's Hulu and then sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll try to watch something. Um, but like, it'll, my, my internet won't, like there's a show on Hulu that I that I really 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 want to watch called Inside Number Nine, and it's an anthology it's an anthology show from uh, BBC. Um, it's sort of like a dark comedy thriller show. Um, I can't really I don't really know how to describe it, but it's it's really popular in the UK. I can't watch it because my internet sucks, uh, and, and I can't I can't uh, pirate Matt's Hulu to watch it. <laughs> Uh, I didn't hack Matt's account or anything. He let me use it so I can watch sliders. <laughs> <laughs> we had a uh, Ken and I had uh, my, my, my in-laws um, were in the book business. And so they had Amazon prime. And then when prime video came out, it was just sort of part of their prime account. Yeah. And so my in-laws never used it. Like they don't do streaming. And so they, they told Kana and I, they're like, well, we're paying for this. You might as well use it. So here's our login information. And we were so wary of watching things because we knew that it would show up somehow, like in the yeah. email, like, how did you enjoy? And so we were, we were like, we just, we really don't need to watch anything that might require some kind of like explanation. Yeah. Um, and so then, but then eventually we just decided to go ahead for our own prime thing because, you know, nice. we've sold our souls to the devil. Yeah, uh, we all have, we all have, we, we've, we've given into that, uh, the hyper capitalism that's happening right now. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, uh, you want to talk? You, yeah, I, 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 I want to let you talk more because I realize I've dominated our conversation on things we've watched and discussed. Um, mm -hmm. But you're talking about things that we read. One thing I did read recently, and this might be worthwhile for I don't know for to inspire an episode or what. But Gizmodo just published a series that this one of their writers did for six weeks. She gave up for the first five weeks, one of each of the big five tech companies. Like she installed a custom VPN on her computer so she couldn't even engage with her software. And she talks about one, how it's impossible to avoid Amazon. Um, but then on the sixth week, she blocks all five for a week or attempts to. Didn't and she it, like revert to like an old smartphone she had too and then took, to, took it to Verizon and like they said they couldn't? No, she um she did find because she's a tech writer. She's like she found a ton of old Android phones on for for when she was um when she was um blocking um Apple, okay. and was able to do use that. But then she um, but then she, um went to Target and bought a Nokia, you know oh, like wow. you know the Nokia phones that we used to have. Nokia re yeah, re revamped those phones, but made them a little like kind of smart ish, and um like sixty bucks. So she used that phone. And because it's it, it, Nokia has no connection to any of the other big tech companies, uh, at least huh. for that for that for that phone um, market for those for those ha those handsets, and so um, she couldn't avoid Amazon. Couldn't avoid Amazon because Amazon makes their their most of their money on um, Amazon Web Services, which is um, internet hosting, um, and uh, so like so many websites. And different web services are provided by Amazon. Like that's crazy. I always figure like that was Google's racket. Yeah, no, Amazon is encroaching big time on that. And uh, Google, because like, and then Google uses the cloud. So what was it? She she mentioned that 
I guess, was it Spotify? She couldn't use Spotify because Spotify uses Amazon Web Services. She couldn't watch any, basically all streaming was out for her because if they don't use Amazon Web Services, they use the Google Cloud for storing all of their, all the shows. Um, and, uh, and she learned about all this stuff because there's a guy, I can't remember his name, but he's a technologist and he's developed this VPN that allow that blocks the IP addresses of all the big five tech companies. And so as she would go to websites, she would discover which ones were, wow. And she said it was shocking. And she said, one of the things that was really scary in all of it was, um, the IRS uses Amazon web services or something like that. So even like government websites are, are the, the treasury department was one of those is like even governmental websites are, are being hosted by private companies. That is crazy. Yeah. The internet is just five websites now. <laughs> really? I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. She did. I, she mentioned though, that one company that it was really hard to give up, but she did respect it. It was Apple because Apple's so closed that you give up Apple, you give up Apple. Like they haven't, they haven't really woven themselves into like everything. They're just their own closed system. And so if you choose not to use Apple, then you can avoid them. They're the easiest ones to avoid. And they have a pretty good reputation around privacy and things like that. So she did mention that, you know, of the big five, they were the one that she felt, you know, was a little more, you know, altruistic in their approach to things. Well, that's it. I'm moving our website to Angel Fire. <laughs> and our email address is going to be a Hotmail address. Well, that's Microsoft. That's one of the big five, buddy. Ah. Um, yeah, we, uh, yeah, I mean, and the, the article is very fascinating. I said, it'd be an interesting thing to read the whole series and maybe, I don't know, they talk about the ethics of this because I, I, that's something I've been spending a lot of time with. And she introduced me to a company called Purism. Um, and they make laptops and smartphones that are completely disconnected from the big five. Well, that's interesting. Um, and, uh, but a Purism laptop is about as expensive as a MacBook, but it is nowhere near the quality. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then their smartphone is kind of interesting, but it's all like Linux based stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, we have no idea how to use that, but mm -hmm. nice. that, so, I mean, so like, are, are you, I mean, are you interested in, in, in maybe trying, trying that? Like, do you think you'll think you'll ever give it a shot? The thing is, is I, the here, my, my feelings on it is I, I really, I liked Apple when I first used an Apple computer because I liked the fact that it just worked. I, I turned it on and it worked, right? Um, and I've read Steve Jobs. I, I, wrote, I read the biography that Walter Isaacson wrote about Steve Jobs and got into sort of his philosophy of technology. And I really agree with Jobs' philosophy around, around technology that these are tools and that you know, you, 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 they shouldn't, you know, his problem with where computers were when he first got started is that they were basically like, an offshoot of like the ham radio hobbyist community that yeah. it, you know, there's engineers sitting in their garages. They wanted to be able to build and customize and all this stuff. Um, and he's and his problem was that the, a lot of where personal computing was going was that the computer insisted upon itself that you have to do maintenance on it. You have to like read instruction manuals. You have to like spend all this time, like engaging with this stuff when he says, when he feels that really, if it's a tool, it should just work. He says, you know, you shouldn't have to spend, you know, you don't need like if you pick up a screwdriver, you don't need to spend like two hours maintaining the screwdriver. Like you pick up the right. screwdriver and you put it, you know, and it works. And so I, I I really agree with that idea around around the technology. And 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 the only way to really make that work is to have things as a closed system, because in a closed system, um, you can you're sort of a gatekeeper, and you can sort of you you by, by being a gatekeeper you can create you 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 hold people up to certain standards that have to work with your software because one of the things i learned when i built a computer years ago a mac or a pc um back in back in college before before we met um was um was how everybody manipulates like the bios which is the core programming language for like all the chipsets in in, in um on the boards and so every company does their bios differently and they all code differently. And there's, you know, oftentimes corner cutting and different things that happen. And so you buy, you know, like a Toshiba, you know, CD-ROM drive that you then, you know, connect to an Asus motherboard that you then connect to, you know, 
um, a Voodoo um, video card or whatever. All of these things have a slightly different language. And so that's where you get all these registry errors. And well, I mean, I, some computer person is going to correct me on this, but this is where you get some errors and things that just don't work because these things aren't always communicating perfectly. Right. But when, when you're doing everything in house and you're making all the components, it's much more streamlined. Um, but I think that that's, that's, you know, but like, like, you know, an Android phone can get a virus, an <laughs> Apple, an iPhone cannot, right. yeah. you know, and that's partly because Apple's a closed gate system. They control who puts what, in there and so yeah there's the suspicion around the idea that i'm giving a lot of control to this company and that i'm sort of at their beck and call because you know if tim cook leaves and somebody else steps in who's to say that they're going to be the same kind of you know mindset of altruism or whatever that tim cook tries to be and that their interests might not be my interests um, and so within an open system like Linux or whatever, I'm able to customize it and do a whole bunch of stuff with it my way and sort of tailor and control it around what my preferences and desires are. Um, but I just don't know that I have the time or energy to have to do all of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I know exactly and, what you mean. Just, just keeping up with like, like, like you said, like a, to build a computer, you have so many different components that you need to pull together. And like, if something goes wrong, you have to identify which component it is. And, right. it, and it's, it's like, it's, it's like spinning a bunch of plates at once, right? you know? And like, my dad needs a computer. I'm not going to expect him to, to know all that, you know? Yeah. I mean, so. you know, it's, I mean, it is sort of, it does sort of, it does speak a little bit though to the shift in, you know, a particular shift of, 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 of thinking, right. Around like independence and adulthood. Right. I mean, cause part of me, just as I'm thinking about it, right. You think about your dad knows how to work on a car. It's a classic thing. Like dads know how to work on cars. Like, I don't know the first thing about cars, but, um, like I can change a tire. Um, but you know, I know a few things about computers. Like maybe that's the thing in the future is that like, we're supposed to know how to like work on a computer. Like maybe that's the, or how to like MacGyver right. stuff. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But it it's uh but I will say that as I as I like I can't block Google in my life because the school I work for is a Google campus and all of our Google high, uh, hosts all of our servers or email information like all of that. And so to not have Google would mean I can't do my work. And there's a part of me that's kind of concerned about that. That this company that used to be pretty, you know, their motto used to be do no evil. And then they decided that they, that's not their motto anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's concerning, right? Like you make a choice to not do no evil. Yeah. Um, and, you know, companies that have felt pressure from oppressive governmental regimes in other countries to sort of tailor their software to meet the whims of, to meet the whims of despots. Oh gosh. Yes. Um, that's concerning. Um, so the idea of the idea of sort of opting out is always, is always enticing. Um, but or just, you know, change the world, man, <laughs> man. Yeah. Vote for Bernie Sanders. <clears throat> oh no, please don't. <laughs> I will say there was a time Bernie 2016. Yes. Bernie 2020. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, um, <laughs> okay, so cool. So Google's taking over the world. Uh, we yep. can't escape it. It's unavoidable. Yep. It's inevitable. Uh, is, do you think the apocalypse will be more like Terminator 2, The Matrix, or Mad Max? Weirdly, I think about that a lot, actually. Um, I think... No, I think, it's, I think it's like the Maze Runner. That's what I... <laughs> <laughs> Maze Runner. I... The scorch trials. I just actually, I just, I just watched uh, about about a week and a half ago. Kana and I watched uh, the Death Cure. <laughs> oh, is that is that the next one? I That's the third one. Yeah, we've watched I, all of them. I think it's going to be more like Divergent. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, series that's not going to get an ending. Apparently, I thought they finished it uh, by releasing it as like a Netflix movie. I don't think they're going to do that. Oh, really? Yeah. 
I stopped paying attention. That that whole thing ended. That crashed and burned. The whole young adult post apocalyptic thing. That stopped pretty abruptly. Like yeah, it, it did. Just, bam, no more. Well, I mean, because it's a it's it's marketed to teenagers and they they their tastes change like suddenly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Rapidly. I would think about like I mean think about when I, I mean I just I, I was fourteen years old and thirteen fourteen years old and my buddy Josh, my friend Josh introduced me to skateboarding. As soon as I was introduced to skateboarding, like I went from, you know, like a Tuesday knowing nothing about skateboarding till like by that Friday, I was wearing Jinkos <laughs> and like my mom was suddenly angry at everything I did. <laughs> I was seriously, I went from being like a fairly respectable kid who was very excited to buy DC Talks Jesus Freak to a Jinko wearing chain wallet grungy kid listening to MXPX like within like a month. I mean, so teenagers, our, our tastes, like the teenagers tastes change so abruptly. So it's kind of funny that we would build like this huge like thing around it and not expect it to just implode suddenly. Not mine. Not yours? No, I still love Buffy. Well, right. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, yeah, but I'm just saying like, Please. It's true. No, no, no. Yeah, it, it is. I, I, you know, yeah, I won't. And plus the Hunger Games did it so well yeah. that everything else felt like an imitator. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and because I think, so I, this is another one. Here we go. Harry Potter mm -hmm. really started that off. After Harry Potter was done, those kids had become, um, had become, you know, young, you know, teenagers into young adults. Uh, and so then they wanted a book series to replace what they had with Harry Potter. And then somehow they gravitated to the hunger Games. So then they added after right. the hunger games into movie and the hunger games did it so effectively that everyone was sort of like, Oh, we can capitalize on this. And everybody was like, Oh, it's just, it's just a rip off of the hunger Games." Like everybody saw it as a rip off of the hunger games. Like every kind of, one of those things. You sort of just like brushed past twilight. Twilight doesn't count. Twilight connects Harry Potter and, and Hunger Games. Did Twilight like, come up before Hunger Games? Yeah. See, I feel I, I feel like I feel like Twilight I feel like Twilight was its own thing. Like I feel like the I don't feel like the, the Harry the Harry Potter crowd gravitated to Twilight. I, I feel like I think a lot of people did. I mean, I, that's all I remember. Oh, God, I hate those books. <laughs> Seriously, how many times can you use the word russet? Have you actually read them? I, I haven't read them. I tried. You tried? I tried. I know I know Matt's read them all. He has multiple copies. He would I'm not even like like making fun of him. He, he actually does. I know he, he actually like legitimately likes him, doesn't he? <laughs> I think I think I think he does, yeah. Um, he would sit here and make the case that it's like, oh, it's just like Buffy, you know, it's it's the same thing. It's, well, he, if he were here right now, would he actually us about the Twilight series? Yes, he would. Yes, he's actually on us right now as he's listening to us yelling at his at his at his iPhone. I bet, I bet he would be saying, I understand people's criticisms of it, but for me, it's I, I think that he would. He, um, I the funny the funny thing to me about it is is that it gave us. Um, Robert Pattinson, who's become and Chris and Kristen Stewart, who've both become like really great actors yeah, in, awesome. in, in the indie film scene. Oh yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. Both both Kristen Stewart Kristen Stewart, who's become sort of like a lesbian icon. Right. Um, and then Robert Pattinson, who is basically like somehow He's James got, Dean. He's he's become even more indie than like Ryan Gosling was when he was kind of doing his low profile stuff. Right. And I was impressed by Ryan Gosling. Robin Pattinson is like, he's like, he's like, he's, he's, he's doing stuff. Yeah. So is, um, so is, um, um, Harry, Harry Potter. Um, Daniel, uh, Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. He's doing really cool stuff too. Um, yeah. It's just fascinating to me that Robert Pattinson, like, I mean, it's, it, and you watch the Twilight movies and you get the sense that they're both aware, like, we're just making money right now. <laughs> That's all we're doing. We're just making money. There, there is, uh, you know, I, I don't. I used to have animosity toward towards Twilight. I don't really anymore because I kind of understand fandom and how important like uh, women's fandom is, especially at a time like that. Um, there's there's like a great video um, called uh, I think it's called "With Apologies to Stephanie Meyer," 
and it's made by my one of my favorite video essayists, uh, Lindsay Ellis. Mm -hmm. And she just kind of like it's sort of like a like kind of apologizing to her and her fans about like kind of not taking it seriously and not taking like a sort of I don't a um, a friendlier analysis of what they were into and stuff. Here's the thing. I, I, I feel, I feel Twilight is, 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 is creepy. It is a creepy, the love story is creepy. That was always kind of the critique. And, and I don't know that I would ever subject young people to it because I feel like it's, it's, it's really, it, cause it's very, it, it, I mean, Stephanie Meyer's a Mormon. And so it has very much that, I mean, Come There's on, some the movie depression going on. There's some. Well, the movie is a totally like an abstinence, you know, abstinence only storyline. I mean, which I mean, okay, cool, you know, be chased. That's awesome. But at the same time, it it encourages like, you guys are so thirsty, you need to get married so you can have sex. And there's, you know, and like, I get it. He's like a thousand years old or whatever, right? He's like like hundred something years old. She's a seventeen year old person. And that is messed up. That is a messed up story. And how do we know that it's messed up? Because it gave us Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Fifty <laughs> Shades of Grey is an interpretation of Twilight because it is that is fan fiction of Twilight. And so it takes it to a new place. It takes it to its all right distillation. To, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring my A. We're gonna talk about this again sometime. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna bring my A game to this because I'm not I'm not prepared. Are you gonna defend Fifty Shades of Grey? And not not exactly, not exactly. I could I could I could defend the first film because it's, it's, it's such an abusive story. <laughs> it is. It's awful. No, it's it's terrible. It's definitely it, it's it's yeah. And in that video I I, I talked about, uh -huh. Lindsay totally trashes uh, Fifty Shades and the author. Um, but yeah, I I we'll talk about this some other time. I'm going to bring my A game. <laughs> We're going to talk about Twilight and Fifty Shades. It's going to be great. Um, but I will say, I think. I think kind of the crux to the way people are sort of reflecting on Twilight and why they feel kind of sorry, some critics, is that like we're kind of sort of coming to a place where we're kind of learning. I think some a lot of people are learning to enjoy problematic things as long as they're kind of self-aware about the what's problematic about them. Mm -hmm. So it's like I think people are probably coming to understand that like a lot of teenagers are like, oh, yeah, we know he's being creepy, but we kind of like it. That doesn't mean we want creepy boyfriends or that they're going to all of a sudden, you know, kind of fall prey to following the footsteps of whatever her name was. Um, it's in the same way that, like, we kind of enjoy our own fandoms and stuff that are probably not healthy, <laughs> you know, but we're self-aware about it enough yeah, to yeah. still enjoy it. That's true. So, I don't know. That's my that's my teeny tiny defense of Twilight. <laughs> Look, I yeah, I mean, I... You know, you do you. Yeah. I, I, uh, hey I just, man, don't, don't, don't pull that millennial crap of the you do you thing. That's, that's ruining evangelism. That's <laughs> callback. Nice. <laughs> I, I, but I also feel a little bit like I, I'm willing to acknowledge that Twilight was not written for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm probably not going to always understand it. And that's okay because it, uh, it, it wasn't, it yeah. wasn't. Did, did I ever, did I ever talk in this podcast about the Twilight concert that I, I was, was like, that was forced, that was thrust upon me? The, the what? The Twilight concert that was thrust Twilight upon me. Twilight concert? Yeah. No. I was living in LA. And at the time I was working for the AFI Fest, which is the uh, American Film Institute's- uh, A Fire Inside, yes. The emo <laughs> band from the mid 2000s. That's okay. Uh, AFI Fest, which is the American Film Institute's uh, film festival they have every year in downtown um, Hollywood. And um, our offices were located at this area called Hollywood and Highland, which is sort of like a, uh, like a kind of like a big shopping area mm -hmm. um, that's modeled after a set from an old silent film called Intolerance. It looks like, it looks like, it's supposed to look like Babylon, which is, you know, kind of weirdly appropriate. Um, and they have, they have concerts down there. It's like, it's used as a concert venue. And a bunch of other other promotional stuff because there's lots of like tonight shows and all stuff going. It's it's Hollywood. Um, so our offices were directly in that area above the Victoria's Secret. And um, I show up to work one day, 
And there's just like teenage girls just lined up around the block, all around this this mall area. I'm like, what is going on? I noticed they're all wearing Twilight T-shirts. I'm like, oh no, oh, oh no. <laughs> and this is this is the this is this is the height of Twilight like pandemonium. Like this is when the first movie was on its way out. Was was on its way of being released. Okay, not even be released yet, but it was it was on its way. And um. I pull in. I'm like, I, I, I get to the office. I'm like, what's going on? And then they're like, there's going to be a concert going on outside while we have to work in here. <laughs> I'm like, well, who's it going to be? They're like, uh, Paramore. Hey, don't you knock Paramore. I, I, I have nothing against Paramore. I was excited. I'm like, oh, I, I like that, Paramore. Love that Haley Williams. She's cool. Uh, pop punk, baby. Heck yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so then I was like, oh, great. So we have to stay in here. There's literally going to be a, a Paramore concert right outside our office and also like the whole cast is going to be there <laughs> except for robert pattinson uh kristen stewart and ashley green yes and a bunch of other people and then uh this is so funny like trying to work and they're just like the whole office vibrating with uh, <laughs> Haley screaming at the top of her lungs and then my, my boss is like okay guys come with me i'm like okay and apparently he had like roped off an area for us. We actually got like VIP access and got to watch the rest of the concert and see Kristen Stewart and stuff. That's cool. Uh, so <laughs> it was like, I can't believe this is my life right now. This is amazing. Um, so that, that, was my, uh, that was my brush with Twilight fandom. Nice. Uh, it was kind of fun. Yeah, um, I, 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 I have not had that experience. <laughs> so. uh, we have a little time left. Um, what were you gonna say? Oh no! I was just gonna say. I realized you were living. You were living in L.A. when I was living in D.C. Right? I think so. And yeah. it was kind of cool. Like I was thinking about, like you, you know, we 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 each had mutually cool things going on at, at our life because, like, you had like that stuff going on. And I remember um, when John Stewart and Stephen Colbert hosted that event on the National oh, yeah. Mall. I went to that. Nice. Got, got to see some of that and. Um, um, and that was kind of a cool thing. And they also filmed, of course, you know, part of uh, uh, the third Transformers film while I was there in DC. Oh, well, I was an Iron Man too. That's right. You were an Iron Man too. <laughs> you were. <laughs> you, it, I, I won't get into it. I, I, I'm so, I'm so upset because, because I, 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 I can point out the angle where JP is present if there wasn't a giant CGI robot blocking him. <laughs> oh yeah. The blocking. Like, and it's it didn't it's not not in there, blocked out. No sad card. Nope. nope. I uh, I uh, my, my one of my best friends uh, um, from my childhood, Josh, who's occasionally listens to the podcast. He was in um, he was in um, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, <laughs> really, as a pirate. Um, and apparently there was a scene where um, I guess it's when Kira Knightley is sort of taking charge of like all the pirates and she's giving like some kind of like this rousing speech. And oh, like, she does her Braveheart speech, yeah. Yeah, and there's like all these pirate ships sort of gathered around while she's doing that. Well, he was on one of the ships, but then I think they decided to change, like they cut or drastically changed the scene where they added like stormy seas or something instead of it. So all the stuff he filmed, like because he was he was keeping me updated. He was like, yeah, the name of our boat is this. He was down in the Bahamas filming for it and all this stuff. And they just cut all of it. Ah, that's funny. Because he was like, he was like, yeah, he's like, I was on this shot. He's like, I, I saw the dailies where I'm like, I'm bobbing in this boat behind like where she's in the camera. He's like, I can point out like when the movie comes out, I'll point out to you where I'm at. And then, and then they just CGI'd him out of it or that's, whatever. That's Hollywood. that's Hollywood, baby. Yeah. Sometimes you end up on the cutting floor. It's a shame. It's how it goes. Yep. So I, I've been um, kind of trying to revisit some stuff uh, as well. I haven't really, I haven't really watched much lately. I haven't really been able to do that. Um, but I've been listening to a lot of pop punk. Yes, you have. I have been engrossed. And I don't know. It started a couple of weeks ago when I was just listening. I was randomly listening to like Blink One Eighty Two. Like I just sort of, they were just sort of randomly playing on YouTube. I just sort of let it play. And then this uh, American Hi-Fi song came on. I don't know if folks at home remember American Hi-Fi. Uh, the song um, "Flavor of the Week." Yeah. And it got stuck in my head, and I went nuts. And and for some reason, I was just like. 
I should just listen to pop punk and maybe it'll be fun. And I did, and I can't stop. I can't stop, and I won't stop because this is my, this is going to be my thing now. I think that's going to be my thing now. <laughs> Your pop punk. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to be. I'm going to be the pop punk uh, guy. I think that's who I want to be. There is a, uh, there is a really great. I, I don't like. I do not like the band A Newfound Glory, um, but they do a really great cover of the King of Wishful Thinking that I have listened to a lot. What's 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 that? You know the a King of Wishful Thinking? Because I'm a, the King of Wishful Thinking. Not a. Not I'll get over you. I uh, know I will. Mm, I'll pretend my ship's not sinking. I mean, I do know who Newfound Glory is. And I tell myself I'm over you, cause I'm the king of wishful thinking. I'm really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> you don't know that song? No. Ah, I'm so musically illiterate. You know that. Uh, that's why I'm the pop punk guy. Dude, I, I will say pop punk. I, did, I remember the first time, probably the, per, the first punk song I ever heard in my life was Basket Case by Green Day. Yeah. And something, like it, it triggered something in my brain. Like, I, I heard that sound and I said, that is what I'm going to listen to for the rest of my life. <laughs> and then I discovered MXPX and I discovered them on a compilation of uh, Petra covers. They, uh, they covered uh, Petra's I Want to Be Friends With You. And I was like, that, I went, I bought their uh their album on the cover and then um i don't know what it is ever since then i hear i hear a punk i hear pop punk music and i'm like it just it triggers something in me where i just i i just can't that's, that's it just energy. makes me so happy that is that is the energy that makes up pop punk is that sort of lightheartedness i bought blink 182's enema on the state out of spite <laughs> out of spite of what so Who are you spiting? Uh, my friend Josh, I mentioned earlier, his little brother John really wanted the the album, and is you know we were in that phase where we couldn't listen to non Christian music and all this yeah. stuff, and people were make, kind of making fun of like, oh, they're a terrible punk band. Why are you listening to Blink One Two? Blah 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 blah. This is before that any of that album hit like on MTV or anything. Yeah, and I hadn't really heard any of the songs, and so I had I had some extra money. And I was just like, I was like, so I bought it just to sort of spite him. I was like, you can't buy it, but I'll buy it. And he's like, dude, not fair. So anyway, I we got in the car to drive home, or whatever, and I put it on, and I was like, what is this garbage? I, I think I fully intended to like give it to him afterward, and then I was like, oh no, this is this is one of the greatest things I've ever listened to in my life. <laughs> That's a great album. It is such a good album, and I still listen to it. Really? So you yes. think it's their best album? No, their best albums are self-titled from two thousand three. Oh, okay. Or two thousand four. That was kind of when they were sort of becoming emo, right? Isn't that kind of yeah, like... Yeah, that's sort of their emo sound. Yeah, I think that's yeah. their best record because it's their most... Uh, it is the most musically uh, mature album. Mm. But um, I do really, really like Enema of the State. And I like listening to it because I realize it sort of fits within a concept. I, they've never said it's a concept album, but it sort of fits within um, a concept. And it hit. It came out at a perfect time for, for your, our age, JP, because I realized oh, yeah. listening to it that the themes deal with uncertainty and uneasiness with growing up mm -hmm. and the song going away to college is a perfect uh encapsulation of that feeling of going of leaving home to go to college like it is a it, it captures that just so so wonderfully um i was just thinking about uh the kind of the way the way i'm sort of getting into pop punk now it's really just a phase it's kind of the same way like how i got into like 90s grunge when we were in college Mm -hmm. And I'm starting, and, and the sad realization that sort of come over me is that like we are further away from like what's considered to be the golden era of pop punk than I was from '90s grunge when I was into it in the college, because <laughs> it's now like 20 years old. Kids today mm -hmm. listening to Enema of the State, right? is like you and I in high school listening to the Bee Gees. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's insane. Because there's a 20 year difference. It's insane. I hate it. Yep. And I, I think I think it's actually, it's this year that uh, the What's My Age Again video turns 20, right? Yeah, 1999. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was my entry into, into Blink-182 is that, maybe, that video. 
maybe because 1999 was such a great maybe our music mayhem this month should just all be this year should just all be 1999 albums i'm okay with that we gotta we gotta get the other people on board I know we, we're still we're still we're still I love that we're still brainstorming about music mayhem and stuff. <laughs> I'm I, I, all year long. I'm thinking about music mayhem. <laughs> as soon as we finish music mayhem, I'm on to next year's music mayhem. <laughs> it's like our music festival. It's like our our Woodstock we put on every year. That's so. Uh... Yeah, because like I I really wrestle, and I will say I what I wrestle with is like diversity right now. This is what I want. I realize we almost exclusively talk about white male bands, and I'm like yeah. trying to think of ways to 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 diversify. And I have I have an album in mind. I just don't know that it's. Anyway, we'll get to it. We will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, pop punk is great. I I keep listening to this song called "Best of Me" by the Starting Line, and um, I I'd, I'd never heard it before. Like I never watched the video before. Never heard it before. Before like last I found it like a few days ago. And it's funny because you're watching. I'm like, huh, this seems pretty modern. This came out like when I was in college or something. No, it came out 2002 uh, when I hadn't yet gone to college. Right. I was like, what? Yeah. Oh, and boy. It's what, and it starts off with a little acoustic thing, right, in the beginning? Yeah. Is there anything better, right, than the acoustic pop punk song? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Chris, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 Dashboard Confessional. Uh, he He like perfected that. I, I never got into Dashboard. Yo, you never got into Dashboard. Except for that, that, that one Spider-Man 2 song they did. Oh, Vindicated, great song. Yeah. Um, I, uh, that's a great album. Spider-Man 2 soundtrack, right? That's what the Spider-Man? Yeah. Heck yeah, yeah. dude. Because uh, it also has, um, um, it has a song by, the ba by Blue um, that I really like, Blue Macaulay. Um, There's a great Yellow Card song on there that I think is oh, vastly yellow, underrated. Oh, Yellow Card. <laughs> Pop Punk with a violin. Yeah, you, you watched the uh, – I showed you the the Weezer skit, right, from SNL a few weeks ago? The one where, the one where like, the they're arguing about – Yeah, which, Matt, like, Matt, Matt Damon and Leslie. Yes. Um, I watched that episode, yeah. <laughs> they're arguing about Weezer. And then, like, the one girl is just like, well, what about Yellow Card? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great sketch, by the way. I love that sketch so much. It is such a good sketch. <laughs> um i listened to pinkerton right after that nice did you uh have you ever um because uh, the, the song that the song you just mentioned what's it called for yellow card no no the one you've been obsessed with oh uh best of me best of me i, I I'm, I'm presuming you've listened to hey there delilah by the plain white tees oh of course yes, yes. okay because like because there's there's there, there, there's an evocative uh, element there yeah um yeah, so they have I, that acoustics kind of sound first, and then they're gonna breaks into electric. Yeah, or does it break into electric? I don't think it does. It's been a while since I listened to it. Yeah, but uh, nah, man, there's it's it, it, there's a there's a purity to pop punk. I don't know what it is. It's a purity to it. It's really. It's also kind of really juvenile. Oh, um, totally. The, I don't know. There, I can't. It's, I don't listen to it because I can relate to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, except here's here's the thing: it's juvenile. But I, I will say, um, because you've been in this phase, I've been listening to uh, one of my favorite bands is a Christian band, um, Craig's Brother. They're a pop punk band, but okay. they are a serious pop punk band. Like they they there's a darkness to what they're talking about. They're not like lighthearted and juvenile. There is there is a and I think they're a really great Christian band too because they they, they for their time period they came out when I was in high school. And uh, I mean, they were doing songs about like divorce and stuff that, like, yeah. coming from a coming from like being raised by divorced parents and broken homes and stuff like that, which was kind of interesting for a pop punk, uh, right? Right. Uh, for the for the genre, are they like a new band or is it like a? No, they came out and uh, they came out in in I think let's see their first album Homecoming I think came out in, like either ninety seven or ninety eight. Oh wow! Okay. okay. And uh, and they've only had like four albums. Um, my, um, I will say that one of their albums has been on the contender list for Music Mayhem for me. Um, but uh, I, I, I posted something on MySpace when we were in college about them, <laughs> and the singer contacted me. No way, really? <laughs> yeah, and he like then he like read my stuff and commented on like essays and stuff that I wrote through my MySpace. It was it, it was kind of awesome. Oh my gosh, you need to find all of those essays, and we need to put them. On the site, uh, I have <laughs> I, I have revisited my MySpace account, and most of it is gone now. Chuck, did you did you have a live journal? No, I never had a live journal. 
I had a live journal. It wasn't good. I, was anyone's good? Um, George R.R. R. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> the live journal story is crazy, too. It was like bought by Russia or something, and now it's like huge in Russia. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, yeah. Dude, really we just started like reliving like the late early 2000s, pop punk. Because it's, it's starting that cycle. We're, we're getting Long to space. 2020. We're getting to 2020, so that 20 year cycle of nostalgia is, is starting, right? Right. So we're going to get starting, starting to be nostalgic for his early 2000s, which I think was like a horrible decade. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm kind of amazed by I, uh, whenever I go to the mall and I see a Forever 21, and I've seen that like, H&M and Forever 21, the clothes that they're selling are like the clothes I saw in the mall when I was 15 years old. Oh, really? Yeah. A lot of 90s fashions are back in. I mean, there's. Oh, there, no. Well, girls, girls at that school, like they wear like the lace chokers and like combat boots and stuff. Oh um, man, bring back the puka necklace, baby! Come on. Oh, those are gonna have that's uh, frosted tips. They're gonna come back, aren't they? <laughs> dude, dude. Um, what is it? Uh, Jinkos are supposed to be coming back, or they're, they're trying to make a comeback. Oh, I hope no. to God that doesn't happen. And um, my mom will be happy to hear me say that. That I hope to God that does not happen. <laughs> I will say though, their logo graphic design from the late '90s was amazing, and if I would, I'd be happy if just the logos came back, right? Just like late '90s fresh jive, like if mid '90s fresh jive came back, I'd be happy too. They had great graphic design, but um, you know, ringer shirts, those can come back. Ringer, shirts yeah, dude, bring them back. I used to have, I had a whole closet full of those. I had a, yeah, I had, I, I had a bunch too. But uh, yeah, cool. so I but I'm starting to see more and more like chrome and metallic stuff making appearances in oh, the, in the H and M's. That that's why I know that the the early 2000s are getting ready to make an appearance again. <sighs> Strap in, folks. Yeah, though things that people have like what is it? There's a style called like vaporwave. Yeah, I love vaporwave. Vaporwave rules. Yeah, and that's that's kind. Of, I mean, that's got kind of an early 2000s. It's it's very much modeled after the 80s. Well, it's modeled after the '80s, but the color palette is kind of early '90s because there's a lot of like um, they use a lot of they use a lot of like Windows '95 graphics yeah, some and of that. stuff and clip art and things like that in it. A little bit of that, yeah, um, yeah. I, I uh, or C punk, C punk, C punk. I don't think that really took off. I don't think that's. A, <laughs> it's like a just a. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that. Um, but I, I thought it was kind of interesting that apparently a pop punk made like a very brief resurgence back in uh, like 2015 or something. Yeah. And then it just went away because of the SoundCloud. Right. Rap, SoundCloud rappers. Well, like my, I mean, I don't know they count as pop punk, but my, uh, the middle school, the middle school uh, group that meets here on uh, Thursday mornings, my, my Christian fellowship group. I mean, they're like into, um, they were really big into, oh, come on, come on, who is it? Um, Panic at the Disco. Oh, really? Nice. Uh, like last year and year before, Panic at the Disco. And then I think even some, um, oh, who was that other one that was uh, Adam, Adam, Adam Lentz or Adam Wentz was their bassist? Um, or oh, Fallout Boy. Fallout Boy. They were another yeah. one that were, they were, they had made a little comeback too. Um, yeah. Fallout, uh, man. That song was one of my all-time favorite songs. Um, but GD yeah, the, World the Middle. Heck yeah, dude. Um, but I, I've actually kind of discovered some pop punk bands that are, you know, current. And uh, it looks like the women are holding it down. Yeah, because like like Paramore. Yeah, there's a there's a band that I discovered called Stand Atlantic, and they rock. Okay. They're really good. You gotta look them up. Stand She's Atlantic. On. Stand Atlantic. Okay. And. Uh, some other ones. Oh, I forgot their names. But I don't know, they rock. All right. So, all right. I think um, I think it's all the time we have. Yes. You got to go pretty soon. Yep. yep. Cool. But well, I hope I will say I, I hope things get better for you, JP. And I hope that you. I hope that just sort of talking about entertainment and pop punk and listening to pop punk makes you makes you nice and happy. It does. And it's it's so funny. I don't I don't know if you've ever listened to so much music before that you have like five songs stuck in your head at the same time. Um, yeah, and it's it's really easy to do a pop punk since they all kind of sound the same. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, kind of like go from one to the other seamlessly, uh, like, like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, so 
Father Chuck, thank you so much. You're welcome so much. Uh, I, I hope uh, you have a wonderful week. And I also hope that our, um, our audience has a wonderful week. Yes, and, and uh, if you're not having a wonderful week, go listen to some pop punk. Get, get, oh. get some Blink-182 going. Yeah, yeah. Put in Enema of the State and just and light a candle. What's my age again? How can you uh, watch the video for first date? By yeah, Blink-182. I don't even have that. Go, yeah, oh, gosh, the first date video is really good. It's one of the best videos, music videos ever that's, made. Yeah. That's another thing from the early 2000s when like, everyone was obsessed with like mullets. I don't oh, know yeah. like mullets and stuff. <laughs> so totally. True. So immature. So um, but yeah, uh, go go watch some pop punk videos and uh, lift your spirits a little. Or it'll make you cute, I don't know. <laughs> your sensibilities will be. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for joining us. Join us again next week and have a great week. Good journey. Good journey.